Podcasting from the Star Group, home of the iconic Dressable Lions. This is Beyond the Known, the podcast that takes you a step beyond what you know about business. I'm your host, Paul M. Newberger, president of the Star Group. On today's episode of Beyond the Known, our guest is Tom Pippins. Tom, welcome to the studio, sir. Paul, it's a great honor to be with you today, truly. Well, the honor is all mine. Any chance I get to be in the presence of Tom Pippins, I certainly want to take advantage of that. Well, it's a mutual admiration society, right? We just go back and forth and put people to sleep. (laughs) And maybe we should. That would be a fun podcast for 45 minutes. Absolutely. I think I would be removed as the host. So with that being said, we'll get down to business. But yeah, Tom, so people, especially in this area, to some degree have spent a large part of their life with you. You were beaming into to people's homes. You were a beloved sportscaster, broadcaster. You were must-see TV for many years, and we learned about the Packers, the Brewers, the Bucks, among other things from you. So let's start a little bit with your background. Uh, you're a successful broadcaster. You had a magnificent career in that medium. What drew you to radio and broadcasting to begin with, would you say? Well, I always tell people, Paul, and I know you're aware of this, I'm a frustrated jock who loves people. I grew up in upstate New York, and sports were my life. But when you're getting picked last on your all-neighborhood team, you know, let's put Pippins in left out. He's the only guy who's left. You know you're not going to make a career, but I was blessed to play high school sports, and it was just a fantastic opportunity. I was never going to play at the college level, and that was a difficult adjustment for me. And then I got to school, started out at a small school called Baldwin-Wallace in Berea, Ohio, and work on the DJ side and that sort of thing, read some news, and I said, hey, you know, this is kind of cool. I could get as close to the action as, uh, as possible as a sportscaster, and I love people and connecting with people, as you do, Paul, and so it seemed like a natural fit, and it kind of evolved from there. I transferred to Ithaca College in upstate New York, got a television radio degree, a BS in TV radio, and if I maybe try to be proper here, some say that's very appropriate for me, because <laughs> I can go on and on and on, yeah. So what is it about sports specifically that's always been so alluring and appealing to you, wanting to play it, wanting to be associated with it, wanting to cover it, wanting to live in it? What is it about sports, Tom, that was so magnetic for you? That's a great question, Paul. I think it really is just the sheer joy of participating. You know, whether you're swinging a bat, I used to, as a kid growing up, I used to take phantom swings in the mirror and imagine myself being Mickey Mantle or Roger Maris or the old Yankees, you know, and the participation more than anything else. And then I think teamwork, especially when you're involved with a group of people and you're well aware from your successful business, you've got a great team right here and Cheryl and Rachel making this happen for us. And so it's all about teamwork. And that, to me, was very, very appealing. And, of course, it really translated into the sportscasting world. Teammates I had at Fox 6, Tim Van Boren, Brandon Cruz, our photojournalist, Mickey Leach. It's all about teamwork. And so I think between that and the joy of participating, it was, it was awesome. Now, this might be like asking you to choose between your children, but you've covered a lot during your illustrious career. What was your most favorite sports moment? that you ever covered and why? Oh, love that question, really. The World Series, it started right at the beginning, if you will. I came to Milwaukee at the end of 1981. I had worked at ESPN in their early stages. I often tell people, Paul, I might have shared with you, I said when I was at ESPN, they were 
small. They were in the red. They were owned by Getty Oil. And then I left, and ABC Cap Cities bought them, and they zoomed off the charts. But for me, coming to Milwaukee was just a tremendous gift. But I came here at the end of 81, single, didn't know anyone. We had one of the worst winter storms in 100 years and a police walkout. And I said, what am I doing here? Went to the Greek Orthodox Church the, later on. My parents came in for that 82 World Series, and they could sense what a beautiful community, what great people. When I left ESPN, a colleague of mine said, Pip, when you go there, you better be who you are, because if you try to fool people, it will not work. You better work hard and hope that you can gain their trust, because if you do, they are so loyal, you will never lose it. And i do not saying that happened, but I was certainly blessed, even today, the connection people four years into retirement, how how wonderful they are. So now we're at the 82 World Series. My parents come. My dad, an old Pittsburgh Pirates farmhand, played football at NYU. My mother, who was Miss Athens, she grew up in Greece. And so her English was a second language. She had that little uh, accent. And we had such a time, and dad was in his uh, element. My father was a wonderful man with a big heart who couldn't express it to his son. I was one of those, you know, always trying to please him. I was in his business for a while, left broadcasting, knew right away I didn't want to do it. He said, I want to make you vice president. I said, "Uh, that's when I have to be. I agonized all summer. How am I going to tell this man I love who I've never been able to tell I love? Okay, so, hey, we had that moment. He was like a boxer who flinched when I told him, but, but I was able to tell him I love him, and so I'll be forever grateful for that opportunity. And then for him to be there in his element, it, it was he was so proud. And in the end, when they went home, he just kind of looked at me and nodded, and that was his way of saying, I love you, I'm proud of you. And my mother, with that Greek accent, said, Tom, we have to come to the World Series every year. The World <laughs> Series. And I remember saying as a young guy, which I could say back then, be thankful. You never know when it'll happen again. Well, we're still waiting, right, all these years later. But that was certainly the experience of a lifetime. And then to have the chance to cover two Super Bowls with the Packers and three Rose Bowls and I remember being Pasadena for the first time on the field, and they were playing UCLA, the Badgers, Paul. And, you know, it was a sea of red, even though it was a home game for the Bruins, basically, just a few miles away. And uh, uh, just incredible opportunity. NCAA, Final Fours. What more can you ask? The high school scene was great. They used to pass Pip in the stands, you know, the body toss. I think that's probably why I had to have a couple of knee replacements. (laughs) But there's so much joy in all of that and just connecting with people. And and so I think the man who sticks out, if I may, without digressing too much, is Reggie White, the late great minister of defense. Oh, how I love that man. He was just so full of faith. And, you know, it's not about us. It's about what Jesus has done. And I remember meeting him initially when he shocked the world and came to Green Bay as a free agent and changed the Packers' fortunes, admired Brett Favre, wanted to come as a result. And we happened to be sitting together at a national prayer breakfast, and we had a Republican, great governor, and a wonderful mayor, a Democrat. You could probably figure it out if you think of it. But the important thing is he's watching them go back and forth. All of a sudden, he leans into me, and he goes, they don't like each other very much, do they? <laughs> And so we had a deal with Reggie. We had opportunities to interview him. I'll never forget before Super Bowl 32, before we did an interview, the night before the game, he said, I don't have a good feeling about this game for some reason. And we all remember they were favored. They were going to win back-to-back Super Bowls, and the Denver Broncos broke their hearts. So 
when he passed, it was very difficult. He was such a beautiful soul, and I'll, I'll be, again, very great. And that's the whole thing, Paul. Look, meeting great people like yourself, probably because of what I did. It's such a gift. What more can you ask for in the red zone of life than relationships with good people, you know? what it's all about for me. No, amen to that, brother. And I certainly feel the same amount of affinity for you as well. So I really appreciate that. You mentioned the Brewers in the World Series. It just kind of reminds me of a bit of an inside joke with my family. So the Brewers made the World Series in 1982, which was the year I was born. Ah. And I've always told people they'll make the World Series the year that I die. (laughs) So every year the Brewers make a deep playoff run, I get a little nervous. Well, I hope it's six or or eight or nine decades from now. You've got a lot of living to do, my brother. (laughs) A lot of people to touch, including this dude here. Yes, sir. So, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. That is something, though. Well, one of the things I'd like your opinion on is, I do hear this from time to time from people. You know, professional sports isn't what it used to be. And from a person who has spent his entire adult life in professional sports, I think you could bring a unique perspective to this. Not to get overly political, but, you know, you have individuals in various sports kneeling now during the national anthem, which causes controversy in one way or another. You have professional sports teams maybe that might use professional slogans or political slogans on their jersey or on their court or whatever, which may rub some people the wrong way. Has professional sports changed, in your opinion, or has there always been kind of an element such as this as long as you can remember it? They pay this guy good money to be a super interviewer, don't they, ladies? So he is something else. Paul, It's yeah, that's a wonderful question. I suspect it has changed somewhat. I think the social media, obviously, the social networking, the exposure that the athletes have. I'll be honest with you, I'm old school. I had a priest friend of mine say, I kneel for the Lord only. And I have another friend who's a Bears fan. And I said, hey, you going to watch the Bears play the Packers? He's, Not this year. Boycotting the NFL. Why is that? He said, you know what, if you want to take a knee, go to Normandy. And that to me was very powerful. And while I respect the athletes' hearts and the desire for change, particularly in the area of racism, I just think there's a different way to do it. So whether it be our anthem and taking a knee or slogans, and I think eventually if you found uh, in the NBA, the commissioner saw that people were not happy and attendance had been dropping off attendance in in the media, obviously because of COVID uh, or television, radio, I mean to say. And so that changed pretty quickly. You know, there are just different ways to do it. And I'm not sure that in my humble opinion that that's the way in which to get it done to effectuate something positive. I admire where their hearts are, but I think sometimes there's not a, a great enough appreciation for all of those who came before us, who made our freedoms possible, such as having the pleasure of sitting here at the Star Group talking to you today on this super show. Yeah. No, it's a good answer. But, yeah, just interested in your feedback from somebody who's seen a lot. It just seems like professional sports is a lot more politicized. And I have to imagine, speaking for myself and some other people, sometimes professional sports is an escape. I mean, gosh, you get politics everywhere. It's all over social media. It's in these conversations. you got families breaking apart. Sometimes... I just want to forget the world and watch the Packers. Right. I couldn't agree more. And that's why the Reggie Whites of the world were so special. Because, again, lots of dollars. A lot of these athletes are enabled from the time they're young because they have a special gift. What I've always found, Paul, is that they may have fame and fortune, but they're like all of us. They need a Lord and Savior. They have insecurities. And if you can relate to them as people 
and try. I always want, saw them as heroes because that's what I wanted to be, you know, the frustrated jock. But in the end, you start to talk and you understand they're just like all of us, same needs and desires. And if you can connect on a certain level and maybe offer a little encouragement from somebody in my small corner of the world, well, that was satisfying. And that's why this Beyond the Game segment, which I know you put on your list to talk about, became so important to me. Do you mind if I just go into that briefly? That is an excellent segue, sir. (laughs) Take it away. I don't even think you need me to host anymore. You're doing fine. No, I need the direction. Believe you me, we'll be here forever today. People wanted us to, they would say, the bosses, you know, I don't know if there's as much interest in sports. We always argue that, hey, look at Miller Park back then, now AmFam Field. Look at County Stadium before that. Look at the Bradley Center now, Vicer Forum. It's packed, we always felt. However... There are a lot of non-hardcore sports fans. So what can you do to try to bring them in? And what we did was, Paul, we tried to take a sports bouncing off point and then share a human interest story. And there were some heartbreaking stories. A young man who had cancer from the time he was two years old, he went out and he did, he was fishing and, and a community came together and loved him and he was very humble. I remember a young man named David out following him playing golf on the high school team. Eventually he would pass away of cancer, but humble people, people of great faith. I talked to this teenager who said, you know, I, I want to be healed, but if I'm not healed, I know where I'm headed. I'm going to heaven. And uh, there's a little story I just, if I could try to share this quickly. A young man knew he was gonna die and he asked to be buried with a fork in his hand. He said, well, why? He said, when they, you know, they open my casket, I want them to see a fork in my hand. Well, it's because when at dinner, when we were out to dinner, someone said at the end, keep your fork because the best is yet to come. Apple pie, red velvet cake. And I want people to know that something better is coming in heaven. So to have that kind of faith and then to use the medium to hopefully offer some inspiration, that to me was an incredible gift. And those stories made more impact. Frankly, I was more thankful even than these other opportunities we've talked about. To this day, Paul, I wear, I think you've seen this, it's a team Jose, uh, Jose Rivera, West Bend and Slinger. Wonderful young man. His family, Catholic, happened to have a great faith. He had cancer. Jose did a little athlete, so we took that bouncing off point, went to the hospital. They were convinced he was gonna beat it. There was gonna be an experimental treatment. And Jose, handsome young man, all the ladies loved him. You know, just a cool, cool guy who made such an impact in a short time. He did pass away. And what was heart-wrenching is that his two younger brothers had preceded him in death, that advanced SIDS for one, and then Kelly, Jose Jr.'s wife, and Jose Sr. were pregnant. And Kelly had to have a, she, they knew the baby would be born, stillborn but for health reasons, had to labor for 16 to 18. How do you? And yet that community of Slinger and West Bend, I went to their the mass, the funeral mass celebration of life, and they said, Tom, we're not going anywhere. Team Jose is going to be here forever. And, and every year in May, when they have his birthday, he would have graduated high school last year, I think. They throw up balloons in the park in West Bend, and it is just so special. And somehow they're sustained a day and a moment at a time. And this young man made an impact like none other. So I said, you know, World Series are great. Rose Bowls are great. You name it, Super Bowls, very thankful high school. But those kinds of stories, they just, they touch my heart. They help me grow in faith. And I, I hope and pray that maybe inspired someone, be it on the spiritual level or who knows what somebody's going through. You know, if that could offer just a little bit of hope for that moment, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And you know, one of the 
reasons I was so excited to have this conversation with you is not only because we're friends and I enjoy our quality time together, but because I knew our listeners were going to start to see a side of you that I've been blessed to see. And I think when people watch you on TV, they know of you, but they don't really know who you are. And you're the salt of the earth, humble, servant leader. And to hear these stories, I think is really sharing with our audience just what drives you and makes you who you are. Because one of the other things that you've done that you're involved in that really was part of the reason we came together in the first place is you have a video podcast with another local sports icon in Steve the Homer True called My Faith with Homer and Pip. One, can you tell us a little bit more about that endeavor? And two, what motivated you to take on that activity? You know, I just, I think I'll be forever thankful to Homer because it was his vision and he said, Pip, let's do something on faith. My faith, your faith, you know the story, Paul. And let's see how faith makes a difference in people's lives. So when we do these stories, and you're among them, Homer always says, ah, Pip got another great guest. No, I said, it's not me, man. It's the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you. And we, we get a Paul Newberger. We get other people who, and he did say, it is true. This is what I'm finding, that people who have faith, somehow gravitate the challenges, the difficulties in life with grace. And you know it comes from God. We talked to a wonderful police officer in Kenosha, her husband. They went out one day, their son was a great athlete, handsome, popular young man, got injured, got hooked on painkillers. One thing led to another. One day they went out, asked him to come. Now I'm gonna stick around and, and do some laundry. They came home and, and mother found him. He had taken his life with his father's gun. But somehow she said, I ran to Jesus. I didn't blame Jesus. I know where my son is. And now she is counseling youngsters who may be contemplating suicide, counseling parents who have children. And in this day and age, as we know of isolation, Paul, and depression, so if you can share a story like that, and if there's somebody out there who, again, might be impacted, what more can you ask? The stories about including your great story, a man in your position with humility, overcoming some of your own challenges, and you are willing to be upfront and honest. It's just been amazing. And our desire, as you well know, because we're, we're blessed to, to have contact with you in that regard, is to try to grow it. It's a passion project. It's not about making money. But we hope that someone can be impacted and the guests continue to abound. Pretty easy to get to, as you're aware. You just go to the YouTube channel and type in My Faith with Homer and Pip. How have you been able to handle maybe some of the challenges that have come your way because of My Faith with Homer and Pip? And I guess one of the things that I would bring up, and we've had conversations about this from time to time with respect to what I do at C-Suite for Christ, you're told that faith doesn't belong on a secular business platform. LinkedIn, after all, is a business community. There's no place for God here. There's no place for Jesus here. So when I started bringing C-Suite for Christ onto that platform, naturally there was some pushback that reported me. I had some posts taken down. There were people that said, you're never going to get my business ever again because I don't subscribe to this theory. We live in a cancel culture right now where because of who we serve, because of what we believe, because of what we value, you know, we're called names, we're criticized, and our material is taken down. Have you faced anything like that with respect to my faith with Homer and Pip? And, and if so, how have you been able to overcome those challenges and keep doing what you believe is to be right? Another marvelous question. I don't think we're to that stage yet, probably because we're really not big enough. You know, we're trying to get that word out. 
But if we do come to that spot, I know what I'll say. You know, I know in my own life, I've learned not to judge or criticize. We live in a society, as you well know, that there's more disunity now, it seems, than ever, certainly in our lifetime. Everything, it's everything is unprecedented. We know what 2020 was and COVID and that sort of thing. I think there's a greater need now for Jesus Christ than ever before. And even these people who don't believe, I've been there and done that. I needed to be humiliated before I started to understand the humility of the one who died on the cross. Imagine just, a, you know, the king coming down to do that. That's not human. And it was not until I surrendered and trusted. So where I'm going with this is, I think it's important that we pray for a conversion of hearts, whether it's pro-life or what have you, and, and our leadership, and we know where, where that is, and that's just one, or the whole gender confusion. I think all you can do is continue to pray for hearts because in the end, everybody's going to leave this earth. I don't know of anybody who's going to last forever. Not here. It's not meant to be that way. The serenity prayer says we hope to be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with Jesus forever in the next. So you just keep praying. And every day when I talk to somebody, I try to say, God bless you. You know, and it's interesting the reactions that you get. Sometimes people are comfortable with it. And once in a while you get a God bless you too. But a lot of times it's like, and some, and I might even feel a little awkward, you know, or praying a rosary or I'm taking a walk. Hey, how you doing? Especially if somebody says, aren't you that weatherman or something? I better not be ashamed of my Lord. I'll tell you that right now. And so I just think if we all can make a difference and not get so hung up, because it's easy, as you know, Paul, to get just in, you can get in a swirl about it, triggered about all the anger and the politics. And finally I said, Hey man, keep your eyes off the water you know, and just look at Jesus because Peter was doing fine until he, so, and in our little corner, let's try to make a difference. As all of you are here today, again, you know, your wonderful assistants and, and yourself, we do what we can do. And I do not judge because I look at the mirror and it cracks for many reasons. But one of the reasons is that I have fallen short many times. And I'm thankful for that because it's in that I have started to learn surrender and trust. And again, as I say, in the red zone of life, relationships such as ours and more meaningful to me than anything that I've ever experienced, any kind of quote-unquote success in the world, it, it always left me empty. And I believe that there are a lot of people who are talking that way and who are canceling you out business-wise and what have you who are hurting, but they just won't reveal who they truly are. And all you can do is you know, and I know you do it, you forgive them and you love them because we're called to do that. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot more that unites us than divides us. Yes. And I think especially in the world of politics, be it the left or the right, politicians have jobs because they divide us. They divide us into categories. They divide us into genders, races. They divide us into ages. They divide us into who has money, who has not. But I think if we focus on what unites us and what brings us together versus what divides us, we become an unstoppable force. We become one united body. And how excited is that? One of the things that you mentioned that I'll talk about, but I know you're very involved with nonprofits and I want to get some additional thoughts from you on that. But I love how you do these word substitutions to try to get individuals, maybe to try to see where you connect over faith, where you have some of those commonalities. And I talk about this at C-Suite for Christ a lot. There's three words that I never say anymore. Hope, lucky, or agree. I don't say hope, I say pray. I don't hope you're having a good day, I pray you're having a good day. And I think that can start conversations. I don't say, you know, I'm really lucky to have Tom Pippins as a friend. I'm really blessed to have Tom Pippins as a friend. And rather than saying, I agree with that, I just say, amen. Yeah. 
And, and I think by you saying that in front of other people, that sends a powerful signal without maybe starting to broach a rather uncomfortable topic. And I think that's part of the reason that works so well. Would you agree that that's been a good way to engage people in conversation? You know, I admire and respect you for that, Paul. And yes, I just try to follow your example in that regard, because as you point out, there's a lot more that we have in common that we don't. And so I believe that that's the way. I don't believe in luck either. I do not believe in luck think that God is in on everything. You know, I can go back into my life and there are God winks that I could talk about forever. And I know that we all can, you know, and, and that's what's so beautiful that the God of the universe loves us enough, knows our name, knows every hair in our head, whatever the case may be. And it just doesn't get any better than that. And that needs to be enough for me. You know, I spent a lifetime trying to prove myself to try to garner favor, what have you. And even as someone who was blessed to be accepted in the media for all those years and make these, it still wasn't enough. You know, it wasn't enough. And for many years I had what I think was a head faith, but now it's just, I'm a, one of those slow learners, you know, it always takes me a little bit longer, but now it's getting, and, and there is peace. I say pockets of peace more so than I've ever had before. And I have so much gratitude for that. I really do. Yeah, well, you just continue to make a difference in the lives of others, either on a one-on-one basis through your witnessing and encouragement or via the community at large. I know you're very involved with the community. So I guess this kind of starts, and I think you've been touching on this to some degree since the start of this conversation, but why do you feel it's so important, Tom, to give back to the community? Why is that such a top priority for you? You've heard me say before, Paul, I'm not a rocket scientist, you know, not the sharpest knife in the cutlery set. I just talk to cameras for a living. But certainly with that, there is the quote-unquote celebrity, however minute it might be. And you can use that to make a difference. Somebody in a grocery store or somewhere else who might just pass by says, hey, aren't you so-and-so? And and I tell them I'm not the weatherman. I was the sports guy, but you can call me anything but late for dinner, you know? And then we go from there. And if you can encourage somebody, I think that's a really good thing. One of the great projects I've been blessed to be involved in is the St. Dismas Jail Ministry. It's an offshoot of St. Vincent de Paul in Waukesha. And, of course, everything now closed up. But we still go in and we make video visits and we try to connect with people. And as you're well aware, these are Christ's people who are, when you look at them, you see Jesus. And you know what Jesus said, you look at me, you help me, you feed me, then you're loving me. And so it is so humbling. I often say, but by the grace of God, I mean, the people, there are mental illness challenges, there's addiction that can lead to, and yet these people, many of them have a great faith. You try to, again, pray with them, talk to them, tell them they're valued, because a lot of times as you're aware, they weren't blessed to have the family backgrounds that most of us have. And it's been so difficult. And yet the conversion, the changes that can occur are just remarkable. So I hang out with an 88-year-old friend, Paul. I wish he has your energy, believe it or not. His name is John Qual. And he will walk when it's 26 below. Yeah, that's my Norwegian blood. I've never heard of anybody as humble, never come across anyone. I hang out with him because I learned humility. I listen to him pray. I ask him to pray the simple, beautiful prayers before we go in to visit with these great folks via the the video. So anyway, that to me has been a, a real gift here in these refirement years, that focus. And we're called to be not turned in, as I so often do, but to turn out. And I hope by the end of the day, you know, I haven't said anything that hurts anyone, or but, but try to do something that might lift somebody. If you know the old saying, Paul, you folks do it every day, try to do something good 
for someone for nothing each day. And when you put your head down on the pillow, say, okay, Lord, you know, I think the mission for all of us is to be humble and to love our neighbors. And there are a lot of opportunities every second of every day to do that, even in the midst of the busy work that you good people do, for instance. There's always a way, you know, with God's help. And he's always with us, which is the coolest thing. You've already said this a couple of times, but I will reinforce it just in case somebody is just tuning in now. But one of your biggest gifts and blessings is your humility. So you would never say this about yourself, so I'll say it for you. But I think one of the things that people admire most about you, speaking for myself, is that you are authentic. You are real. In a world where a lot of people are anything but, where we're supposed to try to look a certain way, act a certain way, have items, possessions that meet the world's definition of success, Tom Pippins is Tom Pippins. And you're obviously very proud of who you are and you live your life being truly, authentically you. I think that's very liberating for people to do that. I think that's where anxiety comes from, depression comes from, broken marriages come from, wayward souls come from. You don't know who you are or you think you know who you are, but I can't talk like this because the world doesn't like it. I can't act like this because the world doesn't like it. What advice would you have for somebody listening to this right now that finds your outlook on life refreshing, whether they share your views or not? But boy, Tom is, he's his authentic self. That's what I want for me. Knowing it's tough to do that in a world such as ours, what advice would you give to someone to try to take that step and live their best authentic life? Another marvelous question. I went through, as everybody, we all have our journeys, and it is those times of most difficulty where my father was murdered on what would have been their 31st anniversary, my mom and dad. and That was just the start of things. Then I think where I was living, Rob back in the day, uh, Northridge Lakes happened to be a robbery there. And then at Channel 4, they didn't renew my contract after two and a half years. And I said, man, I'm having a bad day. You don't want to get near me, that's for sure. But it is in those times that I think God is most present because I have to come to the end of myself. You know, until if I'm operating on pride and self-centeredness and living a double life, you know, whatever it may, saying one thing, doing another, or thinking another, it is a journey that for me is a day and a moment at a time. And I do not do it without my Lord Jesus. I have to come to him. I journal every day. Well, you could have said this, or you could have done that, or you thought that, or you know, because as you point out, and it's very humbling and kind of you, but it doesn't happen without God and without going through some difficult times. And we all do. I'm not trying to focus on, hey, woe is me. I'm thankful, obviously not losing dad, and especially in that manner 39 years ago. But all of this led me to a point where I had to realize I couldn't do it on my own. So I think to anyone listening out there, especially if we're struggling, we can't do it on our own. I don't care what level of success you reach, how much money how much sports, fame, business, whatever it is, it all passes. We all fall short of the mark. That's why we need a savior. But God is there if we can just have that, that ounce of faith, if you will. You know, Faith as small as a mustard seed. Uh, you can move mountains. And I think you'll come to a place where you have much more peace and feel good about yourself. Because if the God of the universe loves who we are, no matter what, whether it's that person we're talking to at the Waukesha County Jail or the, the wonderful custodial engineer, or the big shot in the company, or whatever, 
we're all the same, same needs, desires, insecurities, wants, and we all need God. So that to the point of just surrender, come to the, I, I need your help. You don't have to have a doctorate, just talk to him. Like he is your friend, you know, he's your Lord, but he's your friend and he's there. I think he's closest to us, Paul. And I think you'll attest to this in your own life. He's closest to us when we're hurting the most and he never leaves us. You know, the old footprints. I love that one. You know, Hey, I'm walking along, you know, you were there with me. Where, where were you? I didn't, you? well, that's when I carried you. That's why we didn't have two sets of footprints, just one. And so there is hope, you know, as you say, it's hope you have to be careful, but faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And that's what our Lord has for each and every one of us. And we are valuable. No matter what the world tells us, we are valuable. But our identity, my identity, cannot be as a sportscaster or anybody. It has to be in Christ. If I get away from that, then I have to come back with the help of the Holy Spirit because I don't want to get off kilter. I have to be vigilant about it. And I'm thankful for that because hopefully it's helped me to grow. And I got a lot more growing to do. Hard to believe that's true. I mean, just because of your outlook on life, the lives that you've touched, the blessing that you've been to other people. But one of the things that I really love about this podcast is our slogan is really taking individuals beyond what they thought they knew about business. And I think you're a living embodiment to that. I don't think everybody knows that successful people can be vulnerable that successful people are such men and women of deep faith, that successful men and women have insecurities as well too. But I know that there were people listening to this podcast today that needed to hear this. You've inspired people today, myself included, which I really do appreciate. And Tom Pippins, it was a blessing to have you in the studio. Thank you so much for sharing your words of wisdom. And we're definitely going to have to do this again soon. You know, I'd love it anytime. A great opportunity to be with all of you. And Paul, you're just the best. I admire and respect what you're doing I know you're a great man of faith. It's one of the reasons I love you as a brother and feel like we've known each other forever. You could be my son, but I don't look at it that way. You know, you're a peer, somebody I admire and respect, and I'm thankful for the opportunities that continue to bring us together. But what you're doing here is making a big difference. You're honoring and giving glory to God. Well, then that that was my prayer, you know, and so I have nothing but great, great gratitude for this opportunity. Well, you did that and more. Thank you, Tom Pippins. It was wonderful to have you, and we'll definitely talk to you again soon. God bless you, brother. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Known with Paul M. Newberger. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out at stargroup.com. That's S-T-A-R-R-Group.com slash podcast. We're also available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.